So as Catherine's already mentioned, this is the last uh, talk in our series on famous verses. And we are talking this morning about possibly one of the, if not the most famous verse, certainly for Christians in the world. I'm going to read the verse out to you. And if you know it, please do join in with saying it back to me, a little test of our memories. So John 3.16, let's see how many of us say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What a fantastic Verse. It's basically the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? It outlines it in one simple verse. Yet also there's so much in there. Holly Byers, our youth minister, uh, she did do staff Bible studies on these verses 10 days before, and she was, she was doing this, and she asked some of the young people what they thought of this verse or what this verse made them think. And one of the quotes she got back from one of the young people in our church was... Uh, this verse is like really simple and really complicated at the same time. <laughs> I thought that was a fantastic little uh, summary of what's going on in this verse. It is really simple, yet actually there's an awful lot in there to get our head rounds. It's a verse that tells us important truths about the character of God, the state of the world, what God did for the world, and also for us, what our response to that should be as well as having an amazing promise in there about the gift of eternal life. So, eternal life, so much packed into one little verse. So I'm not going to go into great detail on every different aspect of it this morning, but I do want to, want to pick out just four different things. We're going to look at what it means for, for God's love for the world, uh, for God's generosity, what our response should be to that, and also then how we should live of that. So let's look at first at God's love. Do keep your Bibles open. It's on page 1066, which always makes me think of uh, the Battle of Hastings. So uh, that's the page number. So 1066, great way to know where that verse is in your Bible. And let's start by looking at this first part of the verse. For God so loved the world. First we're told, God loves the verse begins by describing God's attitude towards the world. In fact, we're told he doesn't just love it, but he so loved it. That real emphasis behind God's affection for the whole world. Therefore, we know that whatever follows after this verse follows because God loved. We're told, for God so loved that he. The rest of this verse starts because God loved, and God loved first. God isn't going to do what he says in the rest of this verse because that's just the mood he was in that day. We're told that what he did was motivated by love for the world. And the second thing that I think often passes people by at the start of this verse is actually what Jesus means by when he says, or uses the phrase, the world in this verse. First of all, the context is he is speaking to a Pharisee, 
to Nicodemus, somebody who was a member of the religious elite of the chosen people that God had chosen. And he's saying to Nicodemus that God has loved the world and is coming because he loves the world. He's not saying he's coming because I've loved your nation, you as a chosen people. Remember that the nation of Israel was called to be a light to the whole world in the first first place. God is coming because he has a love for the whole world, for all people. So that's one thing I think we we need to sometimes forget about the significance of this verse, the context. What it's saying is, I'm not just coming for you, for this nation. I'm coming for everybody. And the second thing about that verse, or that word world in there, is God loving the world, is that it's actually saying something significant uh, about the state of the world. And Jesus goes on to explain that in, 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 the, following, in the following verse. Verse 17, uh, Jesus says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What Jesus is saying when he's saying, For God so loved the world, is he's saying that the world is in need of saving. Jesus uh, is not here to bring down the world further but rather to pull the world up and rescue the world from a condemned and broken state. If we don't understand the significance of what Jesus says there, sometimes the greatness of God's love, we don't realize how how big it is. God is loving something that is broken and in need of saving. God loves a condemned and broken world. As he also talks later in there, a world that loves darkness. And on one level for us, it's really easy to agree with that, isn't it? We can look at the world around us and think, yes, this world is a dark place. We can look at all the wars and conflict and fighting and hatred going on. And we can say, yes, we want that to stop. But what Jesus is actually saying in this verse, or making clear, is yes, that is well, that is true. Also, he's saying to Nicodemus, and to all those that would hear those words and recognize them later, to you and I, that we are part of this world. We are people that are in need of saving ourselves. As Romans, uh, one of my famous uh, verses in Romans, talks about this kind of of, of love, particularly towards people. Uh, Romans Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's talking about God's love for us, even when we were people that lived in darkness with our backs turned on him. That's the significance of that opening phrase. For God so loved the world. God so loved us in it. The whole world and us in it. Even though we had turned our backs on him. Even though we were people that walked away from him. As a whole and as individuals. Yet God loved us. Anyway. And so the second part is. God loves us and he did something about it. God loved us. So he gave to us. 
God's love for the world motivated him to do something about it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to mention something again. During 40 days of community, don't worry, during 40 days of community, one of the things we looked at a lot was a passage from 1 Corinthians 13 that talked about love, a description of what love is. And it was a, it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church describing love. And one of the things that uh, he, he explained in that, one of those it was a fantastic piece of writing, was that, uh, that, that, that Christian love, that godly love, is much more than a feeling. Paul was saying that love is about an attitude we have that is shown in our action towards other people, in our generosity, in the way we behave, in the way we speak, and what we do for others. And this is what God did. He loved, so he acted. He did something about it. He didn't just love with a feeling. He loved in action. And he loved in action by giving his most precious gift to it. His one and only son, we're told. That's an incredible thing to give to something that is broken and in darkness. We live in a world at the moment, don't we, where... Uh, often we are encouraged if something is broken or old to just replace it with something new. Throw it away, discard it, get a new model. You know, my iPhone in my pocket still works perfectly well, but it is now, uh, I've run out of a contract on it, and I'm constantly being pressured and phoned by my mobile phone provider to get a new phone. And the new iPhone just come out. It's so much better. It's so much. Yeah, this phone still works perfectly well. It's in my pocket, that one. We live in a world where if something is broken, we're told just to discard it and, and get rid of it. But yet, yeah, God gave his best to it. One of my abiding memories I have of my grandfather. Uh, was uh, after he, he, he passed away, he was going through uh, some of the things. And on his. Uh, on his bedside table, there was this very peculiar, in a good way, looking alarm clock. And uh, my mum told me the story behind it. It was that this alarm clock uh, wasn't originally like this, but it had been knocked off the bedside table and had broken, <laughs> had split open and bits gone everywhere. And my grandfather, who was really interested in how things work, rather than throw it away, picked all the pieces up and slowly, over several weeks, figured out how to put them all back together. He made a new case for it. He even improved it. He made bigger buttons so he could still use it, and even put a bigger, better display on it. He took something that was broken and made it bigger and better, and it looked incredible. Something that would have been thrown away and condemned by most, because he had a, a love for it. He transformed it into something bigger, better, and greater. And I think that's kind of like a, a, a very poor but great illustration of almost what God has done for us. This world is broken and condemned, yet God loved it. That He came and gave his most precious gift, his son, to come and spend time with us, be amongst us, and give to us so that we can be a people that are better, that are stronger, 
that trust him and can be the people that God originally intended us to be. So God so loved the world, he gave his most precious gift to it. Jesus, his one and only son. And we're told that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is an awesome promise. It's not very politically correct, though, is it, really? The title of this talk is, Does God Love Everybody? And it's clear that God does love anybody. This verse says that God so loved the world. You know, we're all part of the world. So why then is there this condition in there that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life? On one level, it's a very difficult question to answer. But I think I just want to say a couple of things about it. God gave a gift for everybody. That's what this verse says. But I think just like with the gifts that we often give to people, if we want to truly understand them and and unpack them and realize what they are, is we have to make that choice to receive the gift, don't we? If somebody gives you a gift on Christmas Day and you say, thank you very much for that gift, but you then don't unwrap it, you don't look at what's inside this gift, you don't take the time to get to know what it's about, read the instructions, if it's something that comes with an instruction manual, or or, or put it together. You're not accepting the gift. The gift is there, but you haven't ripped it open. And I don't think uh, God did not make us robots. He gave us a freedom of choice. He has given us this gift. But we have to respond and accept this gift. Take off the wrapper, as it were, and look at what this most precious gift is and take it into our hearts and our minds and live by it, to believe by it and in it. We live in a a society that I think is really, really uh, gets too easily offended at the moment, it seems to me. Jesus was not somebody that uh, that was scared about offending people. I read on the BBC uh, News, it was in the uh, trending list of stories one day this week, about some parents that had got outraged, and it made the BBC website, and I think it was on uh, the six o'clock news one evening a little bit as well, towards the end. A a school had caused outrage because they put on their Facebook page uh, an article um, encouraging children to come to school in correct footwear. And in this article, they'd said that children that came to school in their correct footwear, or smart shoes as they called it, generally did better than those that didn't. And it caused outrage because people said, this school is being biased because there's some parents that can't afford footwear. And they're saying that parents that can't afford... afford uh, smart, smart shoes are not as good a parents as those that can do, which is not what the article was saying at all if you read it. It was talking about having correct, uh, correct uniform often showed that 
people had a better attitude towards school. I can think of somebody in my own school when I was growing up that uh, came from a very wealthy family. They could afford many school shoes, uh, but he came to school in very um, lax shoes because he had a bad attitude to school and he didn't care. It had nothing to do with his background or, or what he was. And that's that's all that the school was trying to say. Encourage your children to take a pride in their appearance when they come in. But it was people got offended and were outraged by it. That's what some of the comments and responses to it were. It made the national news, for goodness sake. This one thing, people took offense at that. People take offense at the tiniest little thing that might say there's something wrong with them. And when people get offended, they don't often listen. But Jesus' words here, actually, if we look at them, are really quite offensive for our society around us today, aren't they? They're saying, you have to believe in me. So what is it that makes people listen to these words of Jesus? What is it that made Nicodemus come to Jesus in the darkness of night, because actually the context of this verse is that Nicodemus, a a, a Pharisee, somebody who should have been really upset with Jesus because of what he had been saying, Nicodemus comes to Jesus sneakily in the middle of the night, so he's not seen by anybody else because he's intrigued by Jesus. Here's what I think is happening. is the truth of what Jesus said has intrigued him. But more than that, Nicodemus has seen the way Jesus has loved, has cared for the world around him, has healed the sick, has forgiven people, has loved those and touched those in society that nobody else would go near. Jesus came down and lived in a way that was different in a way that showed God's love for the world in the way he lived his life. Let me read to you the final uh, verse in the reading that we had read to us. It's from verse 21. It says this, Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. It's a challenge to come into that light, to live differently, to believe in Jesus, to take his words into our heart and mind, to recognize what he has done for us and live our lives differently. And as we do that, people will want to come, to hear this challenging message uh, that Jesus brought, because actually it is a message that brings light and life to all of us. We are all people that fall short when we compare ourselves to this glorious God that we are here. We are all people that mess up. We are all people that like to hide the things that we mess up. But God is saying he loves us anyway. He doesn't want us to be people that hide that from him. 
but he wants us to come to Jesus to step into the light, to be transformed by it, and to allow ourselves to live lives differently, to share this great news with the world around us, even though it might be hard to share it in our world today. People might not like to hear this message. It is a wonderful, freeing message. Because once we do step out of darkness and into the light, we point to God and we move from being condemned to being saved to having eternal life. At the start of this service, uh, Catherine shared that sad news about Sarah Stroud dying this week. And while it is really sad, you know, death was not originally part of God's plan for this world. I believe Sarah is in a much better place now. I know she believed in Jesus. She has not perished. She has eternal life. That is a great, great promise for all of us here and for this whole world. So can I encourage you to take hold of that news, to live by it, to let your light shine in this world and share this fantastic news with the world around us. We've got a fantastic opportunity at Christmas where people are more willing to, to listen to what we might have to say to them about Jesus. Invite them along to Craft and Carols. Invite them along to Beer and Carols, those people that you know. Invite them to any one of the Christmas services because this is fantastic news to believe for ourselves and it's fantastic news that is available for everybody to have and rip open the wrapping and realise what an awesome gift it can be for them too. Amen.